You know, we've been talking for the last, this is the sixth week now, we've been talking about Kairos, about God's appointed time. And, you know, God is, you know, maybe I'm stating the obvious, but, but God is doing something across the earth. And I think it's becoming clearer and clearer. We're not, we're not like a, if I can put it in this context, um, we're not a bandwagon church. Sometimes Christians almost get on a bit of a bandwagon with certain things. Oh, yeah, no, I'm getting on that bandwagon. No, so I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is, but, no, but we do absolutely need to watch what the Holy Spirit's doing. Absolutely. What is the Holy Spirit doing across the world? And, you know, there's lots of revivals breaking out in, in, in the United States in, in particular, um, amongst, amongst young people in particular as well. But it's just, we just need to watch what the Holy Spirit is doing. We don't, we're not copying, we don't copy stuff, because that's, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. But what we do watch is what, what is the Holy Spirit doing and what is the Holy Spirit saying. And I believe it's, it's, a, just a, it's, a, it's a country, it's a, it's a planet, we're, we're in a, very much in a Kairos moment. I really do believe that. You know, that there's so much going on in our world and so much confusion, so much instability, so much, just, just, one thing, just one thing after another that's kind of going on in our world. But this is the, this is, you know, and I'm not saying God's causing all these things, but, but it, the realities of the end times that we talked to, did a whole Sunday on that a few weeks ago about understanding the times that, that we're in. You know, and this is a Kairos moment. It's God's appointed time. You know, and as the darkness gets, we should never fear darkness. I've always said this, and, you know, as the darkness gets greater, and the darkness does seem to be getting greater and greater, but that's a more and more opportunity for the light of the gospel to shine through. Amen? And for people to see the hope of salvation, to, to, to see Jesus, you know, in it all. Amen? And praise God. Praise God for that. It's an opportunity for church, the church worldwide, just to stand up for what it believes in. There's a lot of confusion, even in, you know, I'm not going to make a big point about this, but even amongst some churches, there's confusion, isn't there? There's confusion as to what, what, what do we think about the Bible? How does that fit? What, how does a, a, a book that's written, you know, between four and, between six and 2,000 years ago, 6,000 and 2,000 years ago, how does that fit in with our, in 2023? You know, some churches are wrestling with this and in some cases, I think, coming to the wrong conclusions, if I can be honest and say that. But what I would say, this again, it's a Kairos moment of the unfounding truth, the, the, the non-changing truth of who, who God is and what God says, the countercultural nature of Christianity and, and what that Jesus said, where he, where he, he was, and, and it's just as relevant now as it was when he said it, where everything he said was totally countercultural. Jesus said it in his, in his great sermon on the mountain in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You know, you, you've heard it said this, but I, but I say this. Jesus was directly challenging the culture of the time. And, you know, and church is supposed to be countercultural. And hopefully that, that shouldn't be a shock to anyone. But, but church is supposed to be countercultural. You know, I think I've probably mentioned this before, but I, but I, I, read, a, I read a phrase that a, a non-Christian said, and, and, they, and I thought, man, that's so perceptive. And they said, what is the, what's the, and, and their perspective on, this, on, on all this stuff and kind of what's going on in our world and church and where it fits in in 2023 is, you know, so they said, what's the point of the church if it's the same as the world? And I thought, what a great perception. Wow. But, but that's so true. You know, the word ecclesia, the, word, the Greek word that's used, uh, that's used for church, it literally means the called out ones. That's who we are. We're, we're called out. You know, we're, we're, Jesus said, we're, we're in the world, but we're not off the world. Yeah, that's who, that's who we are. Amen. The called out, the called out ones. We're, we're called to be different. We're called to be countercultural. You know, and the church, in, in a lot of ways, is becoming countercultural uh, almost by default because the culture, you know, the worldly culture is changing so much and it? it's shifting so, so quickly. But we're called to be countercultural. We're, we're, we're part of we're part of a king, we're part of the kingdom of God. 
We don't need to apologize for that. The kingdom of God is always going to look different to what the world does. We're not part of the dominion of darkness. We're part of the, a part of the kingdom of God. Amen? And the kingdom of God's principles are totally different to the world's, world's principles. That's the reality. Amen? But God, we're in a Kairos moment. I believe when we're more and more across the world, the kingdom of God is going to come to the fore. Where people are going to see the light of the gospel and the truth, truth of the gospel. And of course, there'll be people who will resist that as well. But, but that's going to come, it's going to come to the fore. And I think God's bringing it all to a head. And it needs to all come to a head, doesn't it? It's, like, it's, like, it's almost like a reckoning. I'm not saying like Jesus is returning tomorrow. Well, that could happen, obviously, or today even. Okay. So I'm like making like specific predictions here. But I, but I do believe God's bringing it all to a head. And it needs to come to a head, doesn't it? This world is just so messed up. You know, Jesus himself said, he said, you know, in the last days, it'd be like the days of Noah. It's like, it's like that again, where, 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 you know, people have just, just, just losing who they are. And, and you know, sin, and sin, is, sin is rampant, has got a hold of people. You know, not that, not that we judge the world, but we just need to be aware of what's going on. Amen. But this is a Kairos moment. God's appointed time. And the Holy, Holy Spirit is moving across the world. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move in this church and across this, across this nation. Amen? You know, and um, there's a whole lot of Kairos moments in the Bible. There were Kairos moments right throughout Jesus' life. God's appointed time. You know, his, his birth itself. You know, Jesus getting baptized by, by John the Baptist. The transfiguration of Jesus, which Peter, James, and John's disciples got to, got to witness. And Moses and Elijah were there. And they represented the law, law and the prophets, which is what Jews called the Old Testament. So it was kind of, it was, it was, the whole transfiguration showing about how Jesus fulfilled, you know, came to fulfill the law, that he was the promised, um, you know, he was the promised new covenant or was going to fulfill the new covenant. And that was what Moses and Elijah, that was the significance of being there represent the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. You know, that was one of those God's appointed times, of course, the death and resurrection of Jesus was, was part of God's appointed times. You know, the ascension back to heaven. You know, and the, kind of the next Kairos moment that kind of happens in that in that, in the chronology in Scripture is Pentecost. You know, when the Holy Spirit came, and Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit was gonna was gonna come. In John fifteen twenty six, Jesus said this. It should be on screen, hopefully. Okay. It says, "When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from from the Father, he will testify about me." So Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come, and that gets fulfilled in, in Acts 2, as we'll come on to in a second. Now, the Greek word, I mean, Jesus would have spoken in Aramaic, but it was written down in Greek. Then the word that, that's used there was, is parakletos. And there's loads of different meanings, like a lot of, like a lot of biblical words, there's a lot of ways it could be translated, because it's kind of the richness of the, of the language. It can mean someone who's summoned, it can mean someone who's called to one side, uh, someone who's called to someone's aid. It can mean a legal assistant, an advocate, a pleader, a counsel for defense. It can, it can mean being before a judge. It can mean an intercessor, someone who pleads another person's cause, uh, uh, or an aider or assistant. All those things in that word, parakletos. And, and this is what the, who the Holy Spirit is. It's almost like it's, it, it's so rich who the Holy Spirit is. His character is so rich, you can't, you know, there aren't enough words to describe what he does. Right? In the amplified, uh, this one's not on the screen, but in the amplified uh, version of the Bible, which kind of bring, you know, brings the original Greek to light, it says this, but when the, when the comforter, I translate as comforter, but also but when the comforter or counselor or helper or advocate or intercessor or strengthener or standby comes. 
They're the all means for what the Holy Spirit is. It's all the things that he does. He, he's your help. He's there to assist you. He's there to comfort you. He's, help to, he's there to counsel you, to, to guide you, to help, to help you, to be, to be your advocate, to be, to be your strengthener. That's all what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? You know, and, and you know, we need to understand the Holy Spirit and understand the Holy Spirit how the Holy Spirit works. Now, sometimes we talk about this in church, how uh, you know, when we understand the Trinity, that, that it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We get those, we get those principles. It's fundamental to, to, to Christian doctrine. But sometimes the Holy Spirit is almost like the one we don't quite know what to make of the Holy Spirit. It's not true. Right? <laughs> That's been my observation over the years. You know, we understand God the Father, and we understand the, heart, you know, the Father's heart, that God has on his heart, creator, and, and we understand what Jesus did for us. And then it's kind of like the Holy Spirit comes in and kind of, I um, mean, you know, Pastor Andy often says he's almost like, the, or, or the way we can perceive him, it's almost like the weird uncle we don't know what to, th- what to think about. <laughs> what do we think about the Holy Spirit? He's a bit mysterious and kind of a bit out there. And the Holy Spirit is a bit mysterious just by, by, by nature. But we need to understand the Holy Spirit and how he operates. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need him to, to equip us. Amen. He wants to comfort you. And we've talked about, obviously, the Holy Spirit's already been moving this morning and, and doing that in people's lives, bringing comfort and counsel and helping and being people's advocate and, and your strengthener. Praise God. So then, of course, in Acts chapter 2, I forgot my notes today, by the way. That's why I'm, I'm literally speaking from my phone. <laughs> so anyway, praise God for Google Drive. Anyway, <laughs> okay. anyway so Acts chapter 2 is recorded... Um, it's recorded, um, you know, what's called the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and was poured out. So it's in Acts 2, I'm going to read a few verses from there. So when the day of Pentecost came, they, so that's a, the disciples, there's a whole, whole bunch of not just the 11 remaining, because Judas had gone, um, had, yeah, passed away by that point. Um, but it's a whole group of them. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they said, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? There were Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, maybe, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own, in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they said, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. They just couldn't understand what was going on here. And, and it, just, it just didn't make any sense to them. This was, the, this was their kind of way of trying to make sense of it. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And, and he read, directly reads from the book of Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and, and, and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. 
and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's quite a few verses read there. But this is so it's recording what happens in, in the book in, in the book of Acts, recording here the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit is poured out as Jesus had promised. The comforter, the advocate, the counselor, the, the, the strengthener, the guide was, was poured out upon them. Now the Holy Spirit has a very specific job in our lives, and if we're going to be effective Christians, and I'm sure you want to be an effective Christian, then then we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit to be outworking. In, in our lives, there's two things the Holy Spirit does, and we have what these would be kind of like whole messages in themselves. Um, but it's stuff we've talked about before, and I'm sure we'll do it again in more detail. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, it's recorded in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. It's not on screen, this one, but you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And Paul there's writing what, what it looks like. This is what this is what a character of a Christian should look like. A character who is who's full of uh, sorry, a Christian who is full of the Holy Spirit and guided by the Holy Spirit and living subject to the Holy Spirit. This this is the, what their character should look like. Now I always say this, but it, but it's it's a reality. The, you know, that's basically a description of Jesus, isn't it? He's full of love, he's full of joy, he's full of peace, he's incredibly patient, he's always kind, he's good, he's faithful, he's gentle, and he had remarkable self control. It's a description of Jesus, isn't it? Because Jesus lives subject to the Spirit himself. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, and it produces character. Well, I would say that's, that's the Holy Spirit empowering us. It's empowering us to, to be, become more and more Christ-like. Amen? Then in Scripture, of course, it's recorded about the gifts of, the, the gifts of Spirit and, and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And that's, that's the Holy Spirit equipping us. So there's empowering and there's equipping. Empowering is the fruit of the Spirit and producing character in us and, and changing us and transforming us, which is the job of the Holy Spirit to do that, but also to, to equip us. And again, it would, it would be a whole message in itself to talk about this, but we've talked about it before a lot as a church, about, about the gifts of the Spirit, operating the gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of discernment and, and gifts of prophecy and, and, and gifts of healing and all that kind of stuff that, that we believe God wants us to operate in his gifts, and not, not just pastors, not just ministers. God wants all of us to be operating in, in those gifts. I mean, and to ask God for those gifts, to seek those gifts, is what, what Paul encourages us to do. But also the Holy Spirit transforms us, and, and it's Peter, isn't it, who has this great discourse here in Acts chapter 2. And the transformation in Peter is, is remarkable, isn't it? And we looked last week, we watched a bit from The Chosen, didn't we, about Peter, where, where Jesus first calls, first calls him as kind of as a, as a simple uh, fisherman. And, and Peter had some issues, didn't he? He used to say the first thing that came into his head, he kind of wore, wore his heart on his sleeve. He was very impetuous, which was sometimes good and sometimes bad, because sometimes he was very courageous when the other disciples weren't. So there were good points to that as well. But, um, but there, were, there were certain issues. There were some character flaws. This is what should give us all hope. This is, but this is what the Holy Spirit did in Peter. This is, this is that, that same guy, this simple fisherman that only three years earlier, Jesus had called and said, you know, you've been a fisher, you've been a fisher of a you know, literal fish. How about you come and be a fisher, fisher of men instead? You, you can come and fish for people. Just come and follow me. And our lives were, were totally transformed. And the Holy Spirit is poured upon, upon them. And Peter is totally transformed. And Jesus had predicted that and told him that was going to happen. Didn't he? You were Simon, a reed. Now you're going to be Peter, a rock. Amen. Praise God. But the Holy Spirit's job is to transform us and, and to change us. And Verse 17 and 18 there, it says this, and it talks about, it says, in the last days. So we need to, again, understand this Kairos moment that we're in, God's appointed time. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Any people, any young men? Don't know what's young, what's young, middle-aged. Old men will dream dreams. 
Includes women as well, of course, in this. <laughs> you dreaming dreams, Graham? Are you the oldest in the church? Maybe. I don't know. I think so. Oldest and wisest. There's a scripture, isn't there? It says about grey hair, and it's just a sign of wisdom. I'm starting to go grey in parts. <laughs> anyway, anyway, getting distracted. Stop distracting me. Um, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So many, again, need to understand the chorus moment we're in. We're in, we're in the end days, we're in the last days, and God says, in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Amen? Your sons and your daughters are going to will prophesy. Young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. And I believe this is what God wants to be doing in our lives. You know, it's, it's time to start dreaming big in God again. Amen? Believing that, you know, Ephesians 3.20, that, do we truly believe that? You know, we often quote it and we go, yeah, that's great. That's a, what an amazing scripture. That God could do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the powers that work within us. Do we believe that? Is it just a nice scripture? You know, and we'll stick it on our fridge or whatever. Or do we truly believe that, that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine? I don't know about you, I can ask and imagine a lot of things. But God can still do immeasurably more than all of those things. Amen. According to the powers that work within us. Of course, it's not about us. It's about the power that is within us. That's the Holy Spirit, of course. That your young men will, will, will see visions. I just want to encourage all the young people. And that's what I asked you to stay, stay in today. Uh, didn't go out to ignition today. Just, just to, that the Holy Spirit wants to pour himself out upon you as young people. As young people, you face, face huge challenges. Challenges that... Older generations, including my own, and generations above that. You know, generation, it's Generation Z now, isn't it? Or Generation Z, or the Americans would call it. Um, Gen Z. They're currently here, and I think I'm Generation X. I think those, those born in the 1970s. Yeah, when he's Generation A. Those born in the 1800s. <laughs> Does that makes you, Graham? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Wendy said it. I just agree. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, in, it's generation, generation Z, which I think is, is that the people that born like since 2010 I think so isn't it crazy the people who leave university this year they were born they were born in, in 2005 isn't that crazy they're leaving university the people who are turning adults were born in 2005 that's mental isn't it it makes you feel old wow but anyway as young people you face so, so many challenges and so many new challenges and all kind of the, the, there is with social media and you know, stuff that you've grown up with in a way that older generations didn't grow up with, just kind of just kind of make sense of it all later. But you kind of grown up with it, the internet and everything that's been part of your just part of your childhood and school time and all that kind of stuff. And the peer pressure and the stuff that comes with that, the, the peer pressure to look a certain way, to act a certain way. You know the the, the you know the way people kind of um, you know if you make Christian statements so often that could be shut down on social media, it could be abuse and all that kind of stuff that all that stuff that happens and these these kind of new new challenges. So, you know, I just want to say to you as young people, firstly, I salute you as a pastor, you know, for all that you're dealing with and doing, dealing with it well. You know, but you need the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and the Holy Spirit wants you to be having visions, wants you to be dreaming, dreaming big dreams. Amen? Dreaming big dreams for God. Amen? Not just kind of just, just getting through life, although that's incredibly important as well, getting through life and staying a Christian and, and going against the flow and all that that means. And, you know, you're in a generation that, that needs to be the most countercultural of all of us because the culture you're in is, 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 is crazy. You're out of control. It's wild of, of that kind of generation. Amen? But God wants you to dream big dreams. 
through dreaming visions for him, having visions from, visions from God of, of your future and what God is calling you to be and wants you, wants you to step into. Amen? So I want to say to you as, as young people, are you ready to be used by God? God wants to use you. You're never too young. You're never too young to be used by God. You know, we sometimes forget about the disciples, and, and we kind of can think of them as like seasoned, you know, people, um, you know, kind of called as fishermen, or many of them, but can think of them as older, kind of older people. But you kind of forget. You know, most scholars think that they were just teenagers. A lot of them. But Peter himself was maybe 18, 19, early 20s at the latest. You have to remember that Jesus' ministry was Jesus was done at 33. Sometimes we forget this stuff, don't we? Jesus' ministry started at 30 and finished at 33. He was done. It was over. It's finished. It was finished, literally, as Jesus said. So I think we have to start changing our our thinking about this stuff. You're never too young to be used used by God. Amen. I love what God's doing in kids' churches as well, and that's that's awesome. And certainly our heart as pastors at the kids' church always understand and feel um, it's their perception as well. They're they're feeling that they are very much part of the church. They're not the future generation. They 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 are very much integral to who we are. They are part of our church, amen? Not even just a future church. Or the, the future leaders are going to be there, absolutely. Amen? But we're in a Kairos moment, so it's time to dream again big dreams for God. Amen? So God wants to pour out his spirit upon us. Reading on from verse 37 in Acts 2, it says, When the people heard this, it should be on screen, there we go. When the people heard this, and Peter just talked about about. When it says heard this, it's talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. Okay. It's what's talked about there. And his, his crucifixion, all that meant. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Now that's, that's, man, that's no truer word is said about this current generation Z, right? In the world that we live in. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. This is what the Holy Spirit does, isn't it? 3,000 were added in one day. That's, that's some serious church growth. <laughs> right? That takes some managing, wouldn't it, from an admin point of view. But what, a, what, a, what an amazing problem it would be to have, right? Who cares about admin? We can kind of work out what we need to do in order to, you know, be able to contact people and, and you know, integrate them into church, all those kind of things. Okay, well, what a great problem to have. No pastor's ever going to complain about that problem. Amen. And the Holy Spirit also empowers us, whether it's changing our character, empowering us and equipping us, the gifts of the Spirit also empowers and equips us for evangelism. Amen. So 3,000 were added to the number in that, in that day. So... I just wanted just to encourage you this. What, what is your heart for this area? What is your heart for the waterside? You know, this, this area desperately needs God. Desperately needs God. And that's been more true than it's, than it's ever been. Right? You know, myself and Wendy, we've got, you know, we can believe some big dreams. And God can do immeasurably more than we ask and imagine. We can ask him for a lot of things and imagine a lot of things. But I believe that God wants to move across this community. Move radically across this community. Amen? People get into the heads, you know, the church is dying and the church is, and the church is on, a, it's on a downward downward slope and, and you know, or Christianity is not relevant for today and that's kind of nice if that's what, some, if that's what you want to do on a Sunday, great, but I'll go and play sport and do something else, whatever. And that's kind of where most people are at. But, but Christianity is just as relevant today as it was then. Amen? The church is not dying, the church, church is alive. Amen? And, appear, and our world, our community, our waterside, it needs to know that. 
the church is alive, it's living and, and breathing, it's more alive than it's, than, it's, than it's ever been. Amen? But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work, to work in us, you know, for that to happen. So what are we believe for God to do through us? What are you believing for your life? And we're called, aren't we, as, a, as, as believers to go into all the world and make disciples. And some of us as, as leaders, we, we were at a, um, like some leaders training yesterday. There's a guy who's um, a guy from Australia. He's actually from Darlene Czech's church, you know, Darlene Legendary. I've seen worship, worship singer. Her and her husband are now pastors. Um, she's still involved in worship, but they're now pastors in Australia. They planted, planted a church. Anyway, and, and one of the one of the campus pastors, as they call them, because they're multi-locational, similar to family church, um, is with family church at the moment. I was doing some training yesterday, speaking at Portsmouth this morning, and, and they're doing training all throughout the week. Our staff training, and I'm meeting with him about some stuff from Wednesday. And he's doing all sorts of great stuff. He's meeting with the elders and the trustees and all sorts of stuff because he's very much involved in church health. So we're talking a lot about what does it mean to be a healthy church. Anyway, so I'm saying all that to say, but one thing he said yesterday is, is, is church is actually quite simple, and sometimes we can kind of get, get off course. He said it's just about loving God, loving people, and going to all the world. And that's it. And sometimes we can make it so, so complicated. You know, Jesus made it very, very clear, didn't he? He said about the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, love your neighbors yourself, and then and just before he went back to heaven, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's just the three principles of what, what church is about. Amen. Sometimes we can overcomplicate it. So, but God wants us to go into all the world and make disciples. You know, the Holy Spirit can do great things through our lives. Amen. When he empowers us, when, it, when, he, when he equips us. Wouldn't it be great to see 3,000 people added to our number in one day? But what are we believing for? Do we share God's, God's heart for the lost? You know, God, God loves the lost. And all I've said about understanding the point of time we're in and the kind of crazy culture that we live in and how we're called to be counterculture, we have to be very careful we don't get judgmental, that we don't, um, uh, you know, yeah, we don't look down on people. We have to, we have to get that. You know, Jesus, uh, we always come back to this as a church, but Jesus made it very, very clear it's, the healthy, it's not the healthy need a doctor, it's the sick. And Jesus was heavily criticized, wasn't he, from religious leaders because he hung around with tax collectors and prostitutes. And they're like, don't, don't you know what these people are doing? Jesus, as if, as if he didn't know. Of course he knew. But, but they would ask that question, do you not know what these people are doing? And Jesus said, yes. You know, the people didn't change him. He changed them. Absolutely, that's true. But he said, it's, it's not the healthy, you need a doctor. It, it's the sick. You know, this world is sick. It's sick. It's confused. It's lost, it's lost its way. You know, I often talk about the way, the truth, and the life. You know, the world, what Jesus said, it's just as relevant now as it was then. This world has lost its way, has no idea what truth is, and they don't know where to find life. That's where our world is. Totally lost its way. Totally confused. Even things that you would have thought, how are people ever going to, you would have thought people would not ever be confused about this. Now they're even, you know, even identity is confused. In a, in a way that you wouldn't even thought 20, 30 years ago. About who, who people even are, what even defines who you are. You know, it's, people have no idea what truth is. The whole, kind of the whole my truth movement, well, it's about my truth. Not about, it doesn't matter what your truth What about my truth? Well, no, that's not how it works. God, God is the truth. Jesus made it very clear. He said, no, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No wonder our world is confused if there's 8 billion different truths on the planet. No wonder the world doesn't know where it's coming or going. And also doesn't know where to find life. A lot of people, I think, are searching for life, but they just don't know where to find it. And Jesus answered those three fundamental, fundamental points. But we have to be careful not to be judgmental and to have the same heart for the world that God had. Amen. 
You know, Jesus is not coming to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John three seventeen says, Amen. So are we ready to be used by God? Are you, are you ready this morning? Because we, we, we want to pray for people this morning. And the Holy Spirit has been moving. Are you ready to be filled afresh by the Holy Spirit? Because God wants to empower you. He wants to equip you. He wants to change your character, absolutely. Does, does God have an agenda for your life? Absolutely. And sometimes people think, oh, I'm not sure God has an agenda. God oh, absolutely has an agenda for your life. And, and God's not going to apologize about it either. God, and to be quite honest, God doesn't need to, need to apologize about it either. God absolutely has an agenda. He, he wants to change our character and he wants to use us. Not use us, you know, in the wrong sense of using us. He wants to use us for his glory. Right? Amen? To go into all the world and to make disciples empower us, equip us, change us. Amen. So are you ready to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to be used by God? Are you ready to be an evangelist in your world? And we all have unique worlds and, and situations that we're in and unique, you know, unique jobs you might find yourself in and unique communities within the wartside you find yourself in. Are you ready to be used by the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to be filled afresh? Are you ready to dream big dreams? To live a countercultural life? To stand up for the truth? To stand up for what we, for what we believe in? Amen. For people to see Jesus in us. But we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. We can't do that in our own strength. We're not called to do that in our own strength. Amen. So I'm going to ask just the worship team just to, just to come back. And I just, just want to challenge you. And you know, do you know what? My greatest joy as a pastor would be if every single person was up the front. I'm serious. It would. I'm not saying that to put pressure on you because I'm not that, that's not my style. But it would be my greatest joy for every single person to be at the front being prayed for. It would. Because we all need the Holy Spirit. We all need to be empowered. We all need to be equipped. We, we need it. Amen? We can't do things on our own strength, and we're not, called, we're not called to. We need his help. We need the guide. We need the comforter. We need, we need the counselor. If we're going to be people that, that God uses and uses his glory, uses and, and are effective in all that he's called us to do, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? And if you've never, ever received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit before, I'd really, again, really, really encourage you to come forward. You've never spoken in tongues before. I'd really encourage you to come forward. We'd, love, we'd just love to see that happen. Amen. Praise God. Let's just, let's just go into a time of worship.